This is Tell Me What to Read, the podcast from booktopia.com.au. I'm Mark Harding, and today I am chatting with some of my fellow Booktopians about the best books of 2021. So welcome to Ben Hunter, Sarah McDuling, and Shanu Prasad. Hi, Mark. Uh, so Hi. Ben is with me in the studio. Shanu and Sarah are dialing in from home, um, and we're going to dive straight into talking about the best fiction of 2021. What would you say, Ben? I would say we had a heck of a year for fiction, Mark. Uh, we sold more fiction books than we've ever sold before at Booktopia. And a good part of that reason is just the sheer quality of, it be gratuitous to say, product that was put <laughs> into the market. Uh, we had uh, some incredible debuts. We had some uh, incredible short stories. We had new voices that um, I, I read this year that uh, blew my mind. Um, I, I have to give a small shout out at the very top to uh, an author, um, Adam Thompson, who's a Tasmanian Aboriginal man who wrote a book called Born Into This. And that is just, uh, I still think about that novel and it came out in January or February, I think. Um, but I'm going to talk about, because of time, I'm going to talk about two massive novels that came out this year that dominated sales, um, are dominating sales right now. And... I think speak to kind of two pillars of what's going on. One is that people are just reading a lot. <laughs> and uh, there's incredible blockbuster books coming out. And uh, when we talk about incredible blockbuster books, uh, particularly incredible Australian blockbuster books, we cannot not talk about Apples Never Fall by Leon Moriarty. Uh, she is um, known among us as the queen <laughs> Of, of Australian writing, and I think that is an apt title. Apples Never Fall is a, a brilliant new novel. It is um, it is all around a family. There is a family business, and there is a suspicion of murder, which divides the family apart. Um, it's it's commercial fiction, but it's commercial fiction done at its at its prime uh, because she kind of talks to a kind of universal condition. The stresses of family, the stresses of um, uh, the light, the world of empty nesters and uh, um, aging, and kind of looking at the um, the relationships you have with your parents, um, and looking back on their their relationship to one another um, at when you as a child become an adult. There's 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 a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in this novel, um, and it's just propulsively readable. Uh, there's a lot of tennis and <laughs> it's it's brilliant. Like she, she's just, there's a reason she's the best. Um, Sarah, you're on the phone and you you had to um, interview Leon, which is, you know, a privilege and a, a, a wonderful honour. Um, what, what kind of uh, uh, glory did you glean from her? I lo love Leon Moriarty. I've made no secret of that ever. And every book she ever writes, I love. Um, this latest one is just absolutely hitting all the notes that I expect from a Leon Moriarty book. It has these characters that you can't help but invest in. Um, with It has humour. I love her humour. She always manages to create funny dialogue and funny situations whilst these characters are caught up in dreadful situations. I thought what you said, Ben, about 
because the book sort of deals with four adult children who I guess in a lot of ways kind of are suffering from some arrested development and um and then and then the the course of the novel forces them to review their parents' marriage, I guess, and start questioning things and wondering. Um, it's all balanced so perfectly. I gobbled it up. Like I couldn't stop reading this book. I found it really, really addictive and one of the, one of the most like fun, captivating books that I've read during this Christmas period, I think. Yeah, well said. Um, How would you say it, um, for for people who who maybe um, aren't devout Leon fans like yourself, but maybe they've read Big Little Lies or, or seen a bit of the telly show, or there's the new um, adaptation of Nine Perfect Strangers. How would you say that um, uh, uh, that this book uh, rates amongst the the Leon canon? I feel like it's. Look, every time she has a new book, I feel like it's my favourite one of her books. So I've felt this way every single time. For me, I thought it is easily as good as Big Little Lies, which I know is a lot of people's favourites. Um, I, I loved Nine Perfect Strangers, uh, but it's a different, I guess that that book, if anything, is a slightly different kind of kettle of fish Um it was, for one thing, it wasn't in the suburbs and most of her other books are in the yeah. suburbs. And it sort of um, got, a, got a bit meta and did some interesting things in that book, which I absolutely loved. But if you are a person who kind of read both of those books and preferred Big Little Lies, I think Apples Never Fall is going to be definitely your wheelhouse. That's that's yeah. good to hear. I, I, I love that, I, that idea that you... You just fall in love with Leon again and again every year. Every time. Yeah. Every book that comes out, yeah. I'm like excited to read it. I have high expectations. And as we all know, like sometimes expectation management is key because when you go yeah. into anything with high expectations, um, it often can't match what you were expecting. But she always, she just always raises her own benchmark with me. And every book she comes out with, I'm like, oh, I think this is my new favorite. That's the relationship you want to have with an author. I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, Mark, I'm going to talk about one other fiction title that I could talk about so many, um, but there's a book that has captured the hearts and minds of the staff in this building um, and the staff working really at home. And that book is called Devotion. It is by Hannah Kent, who is the author of Burial Rights and The Good People, uh, another Australian author, uh, and it's the first book we've had from Hannah Kent for years. Hannah's had time away. She's had a couple of children and been married. Um, and what, 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 what Hannah Kent is known for is writing very tight historical novels that, that follow, um, you know, established historical fact and persons very closely um, and and niggles into the cracks and and finds the the kind of untold stories of of women and she does that just so well and and this book is 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 like that but it it also breaks free of the bonds of um, historical realism uh, and and moves into a place of 
uh, joy and love and spirituality, I'm going to say, um, and, and just sheer brilliance. And just it is, this book is a love story. Um, it is, um, it begins in Prussia in the 1800s uh, uh, in a community of old Lutherans, of a devout Christian sect, um, who are largely persecuted by the um, monarchy there. And they um, are going to emigrate or migrate as a community uh, to South Australia, the colony of South Australia, to to sort of start afresh um, in this whole kind of new world migration that's going on. And in this very closed community, there's a girl, Hannah, who has this beautiful bond with nature. That is her... That is her like lifeline to God. That is, <laughs> the, and and the writing of this is incredible. And another, in this very kind of closed community, uh, another girl comes into her life, uh, and her family is just on the edge of this Lutheran community. Uh, this girl's name is Thea, and they form a bond, and it's a love story. I, I <laughs> I'll say no more than that. It is the most heartbreaking, uh, spectacular thing. Uh, it is, you know, you could say that it's um, overwrought and and wild and um, audacious. And I just, I love every word of this novel. And yeah. I, I think I, I'm speaking for other staff in the building as well when I say that yeah. the reaction has been the same. I've I've never read Hannah Kent, but I have I own copies of The Good People and Burial Rights. I've just never picked them up. They're just on my eternal to read pile. How does Devotion stack up to her other work? So, as I was kind of alluding to, there's 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 a, a brilliance of she 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 writes prose very 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 well, world class prose. Um, in this novel, what what she's done is is this broken away and, and just found a love and a joy um, much more so than than her first two novels which are are very dark right and this this new story has a lot of darkness in it too I, I, I won't shy away from saying that but I think the the course of the pandemic and the political turmoil of our time natural disasters um, and the fact that Marriage equality got through, and Hannah was able. You know, the author Hannah was able to get um, married and and start a family. I think these have all been factors that have just kind of pushed out this this new novel, and it's um, it's an evolution for her, mm. and it's 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 just it's a thrill to read. Um, go and get it, devotion, Hannah Kent. And you had a you had a conversation with her um mm. on this very podcast, I believe. Um, did she give you much of an insight into how long it took her to, to write this one, given that she's had a bit of time away? I think it was it was something that she began research for many years ago. She kind of grew up in that Adelaide Hills um, part of the world where the Germanic community is like just written into the colonial history. Um, and it's in their language and it's in their um, food. It's everywhere. Um, and so that's that's always been front of mind for her. Uh, she also expressed a, a a sense of trepidation about writing 
Australian history because of the horrors of um, uh, colonial conquest. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a big step for her to, you know, to, to go closer to home and to um, look into our um, First Nations history and first contact and, and you know, how do you, how do you pay respect to that? Um, as a white author, mm. that's really hard, um, and yeah, so that 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 was a that was part of the challenge. Uh, so it's 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 years in the making, but I think but I think the the final product came very very quickly. Yeah, Sarah, have you read Devotion, and do you have anything to add to Ben's uh, wonderful uh, review of it? I have I have read it, and I absolutely fell deeply deeply in love with it. Um, you, I'm, I feel like I'm treading on your territory here, Mark, by making this pun, but I'm going to say I'm devoted to, to Hannah Kent. I love um, it. <laughs> and this book, I mean, as Ben mentioned, I want to see right clear of spoilers, but I will say, you know, it's somewhat of a, she does some different things in this book, some things that you might not expect if you have read her previous books. Um, and I think, you know, she's amazing at research. She really researches uh, her, because she writes historical fiction, she researches it. And then I really feel like she has this magical ability to time travel you into, into those worlds and those places and get you to fall for these characters. And, you know, she writes a lot of dark subject matter, but because her writing is so transcendent and beautiful, I, you just, I, I don't, she just casts a spell over you. So this book, like, I, I love it. I know I will read it again many times. There are lines from this book that when I read them, I feel like they're now etched on my soul. Like there are just sentences that hit when I read them, right? Like, uh, like um, the testimony of love is the backbone of the universe. Like that's going to, I, I almost want to get it as a tattoo. Like, I just feel like when you read a Hannah Kent book, it's kind of like every sentence is something that you would tattoo on your body. Like, it's just, she's just out of control in the way. Sarah, would you, would you get that right. tattoo, like Jared Leto Joker style, like across your forehead? Yes, I feel like I would. Well, I'm going to run out of room because she has a lot of great sentences. I'm eventually just going to be covered in Hannah Kent's writing. I just don't, there's a, I wept and wept when I read this book. Um, but but in a really so good way, though, beautiful. Right? Yeah, it's beautiful, wonderful. It's such a beautiful love story. There's a sort of turning point in the story around about halfway through, and from that moment onwards, I think I just had tears in my eyes for the whole rest of the reading experience. And it is joyful and heartbreaking and breathtaking and just sublime. Like. I don't know. I, Shani, I'm going to pass over to you because I feel like even just remembering this book is getting me really emotional. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I kind of, I felt the same as you. So I had the same basic, the same reactions and the things that really struck me. But um, what really, what I loved about it as well was just this, and I've never read any other Hannah Kent books, but I now have gone and gotten the other Hannah Kent books to read over, over the Christmas break. Cause I, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe how beautiful this story was. Um, and I just loved that blend of really, like you said, really feeling like you were in the world that she had is writing about, 
but at the same time you were an observer of that story you felt like you were part of it but also observing it which is kind of what sort of happens a little bit in the book so it's um it's really amazing that she can make you feel so many <laughs> to be in so many places but it was this like love and connection with nature as well as love and connection with another person that really struck me as just the way she she wrote about it and the way um, you know the characters sort of interacted with nature like I did not want to leave Prussia and then when I got to Australia even though I live in Australia I felt like I was like experiencing a place I'd never seen or heard about before and I just thought that was like that was so 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 impressive to do that and like you I wept it was I read a lot of books this year like a lot a lot a lot of books because we were in so much lockdown I just that's all I did and this was the one that I was like I think I messaged Ben as soon as I finished and I was like oh my goodness this is the one that has made me feel all the feelings like there's been so many other amazing books that I've loved this year that I thought have been so clever and interesting and well written and explored topics but this is the one that just like yeah it just strikes right through doesn't it and it's the one and where I was like you have to all read it everyone go and read it please read a copy of this book it was so yeah. so so beautiful as, it's the right book you at the talking, right time I opened, up, I opened up my word document that I created while I was reading the book to keep track of all of the little parts of it that I love so much and when you're talking about Hannah's connection to nature there's this other line that she has when she's talking about like why do we even bother building buildings or anything when we've got nature and she has this line that's like, baptize me in rainfall and crown me in sunrise. Like, I just want to say that every morning. Like, I just want that to be my new daily affirmation. Anyway. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that is, that, that's also a nice insight into the level of nerdery that is required to work at Booktopia. You can't just read the book. You have to have a Word doc o open in the background where you're making notes as you go along. It's a, it's a shared Word doc with a tattoo artist. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Instagram. I, I just have a little note sometimes when I'm reading I just grab my phone I open notes and I and I type a line in because I don't want to forget that line and I would never do anything so like crazy as to underline it in the book that would be that would be horrible <laughs> excellent well thank you so much for your thoughts on that I'm going to throw over to you now Shanu um because you're going to talk about uh the best non-fiction and lifestyle of 2021 uh what uh in your opinion uh was the standouts uh this year well there were again like fiction so so many and so there was a real fight about what books we <laughs> were going to actually mention on this show but you know what actually made us make the choice was not just, um, you know, how great the books were, but that they really fit into this kind of overarching theme that we were, that we've been finding throughout the year, particularly in the nonfiction space. That is, it's all about love. Stefania has written an excellent uh, intro to her top 10 books, which basically just says 2021 was the year of love. And it's, and it's so true. And it's so wonderful that that is the year of love because 2021, let's be honest, was also the year of many, many, many other less, less enjoyable things. So <laughs> the first book, um, that uh, I'm going to sort of say is one of the kind of real standouts for everyone at Booktopia was um, everyone's favourite uh, author, Trent Dalton, and his uh, new non-fiction book, Love Stories. Um, this was a book that uh, as soon as we heard about it, we were all super excited, even though we knew nothing about what it was about. And then as we found out more about what the actual book was um, and the content of the book, we were excited. Then when we saw what the book was going to look like, we were even more excited. And then when we got to read the book, we were like, mind's blown, this is amazing. So basically, um, Stefania gave me a little, because she's, you know, it's her, it's the book that she's been championing um, 
uh, championing all through all through the year, and it's the one that she's you know pushed for to become our you know was was our um, uh, book of the month, and um, you know she got to interview Trent Dalton, which is always like it's great that we get when we get to interview authors, and I think um, I think Ben can attest that how what a generous um, interviewee. Uh, Trent Dalton is and what a joy he is to interview and it's a joy just to listen to it so if you haven't listened to that podcast I highly recommend that you do basically the story love stories is not just one story it's many stories and um, the best story of all is how the book came to be so uh, Trent Dalton was um, at a funeral of a friend's um, mother and she ended up leaving to him uh, a blue Olivetti typewriter and he wanted to do something to both honour this woman who had given him such a wonderful gift and also to give a bit of a middle finger to COVID, let's just say. Luckily, he was in Brisbane, so he, had, he was in a better opportunity and a better place to do that um, <laughs> than some of the rest of us. And so basically, he just sat on a street corner in Brisbane for two months and just with his typewriter and just said to people, tell me a love story. Um, and so that's where it began. Uh, where it ended, though, is something that I think only Trent Dalton could do, right? Because you have to be such an open, um, inquisitive person yourself and have this heart for wanting to know other people and know other people's stories to be able to really get to the truths of what other people's love stories might be. And the book is not just, you know, your traditional love stories. I should know because I've been, reading, I've been watching a lot of Hallmark movies lately, which are just all, you know, um, romantic love. But it's, you know, love of family, love of friends, um, fleeting love, everlasting love, soulmate love, you know, just all sorts of different kinds um, of love in all of its forms. And I think what's, um, you know, and I think, you know, people that have read it will, will attest is that it's, it's not a book that you sit down and just like open up from page one and just read straight through because there's there's so many people's like real life stories in there that you really have to like read a book, read like a, read one of the stories and just sort of sit with it and um, think about, you know, what it is and what it, what it is about love that you're finding out from, you know, from that story. Um, and so it's the absolute, oh my God. And the, the packaging is just so beautiful. So it's like the best book to give to someone else as a gift, but also to give to yourself as a gift, like, like to give to others and to give to yourself as a gift. It's just, it's just like the whole package. And um, it's just really amazing that he can write such great nonfiction as well as <laughs> such incredible fiction. A um, little bit jealous of how talented uh, talented he is, but yeah, this has been an absolute um, firm favourite, and I can see that it's going to be on like best-selling lists for eons to come. So um, I'm not sure if anyone else has had um, a chance to dip into it yet, but um, um, yeah, well, dip, dipping dipping in is the word, you know. Uh, it, it, it's um, Stefania called it the perfect handbag book because <laughs> you can you can crack it open and just read um, a, a love story while you're on the bus and that's that's yeah. it's that's a gorgeous thing um, uh, particularly uh, coming coming out of this year of of, of intensive reading <laughs> uh, where we've just had uh, stretches of time alone um, and in the quiet of home uh, getting out into the world and and keeping up a reading habit is 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 is, is difficult um this is a this is a great way to do it this this glorious little thing um personally i've i've had it by the bedside and uh my partner rose uh she says ben story time and i'll we'll yeah. we'll read aloud a love story before before bed each night um and Aww. it's 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 great it's great stuff to read aloud because um uh trent has a, a a sentimentality and uh, a candor, and just a 
just an Australianness that um, <laughs> just rings true in every sentence he writes. Uh, and it's 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 gorgeous stuff to just sample. Something that I, that I've been thinking about with this book because I, I haven't read it myself, but um, I want to. Does it make you reflect on kind of the love stories that you've experienced in your own life? And does it make you kind of contemplate what your conversation with Trent would have been had he stopped you um, on that Brisbane street? I found myself, uh, you know, asking the question like, "Oh, how would I, how would I answer this question yeah. if I ran into yeah. a, a Trent Dalton on the street?" Um, the, and, and I think one of the most yeah, go on, Shane. Oh, to just say one of the the most interesting things is, um, you know, when we Stefania and I were talking about it and about why she'd picked this book, she was mentioning how um, Trent had told her that there were so many people that said, "Oh no, no, I don't have a love story. No, no, I don't, I don't have anything." But then they'd sit down anyway, and then it would turn out that even though they thought they didn't, when they started talking, they would realize they had one. And I thought, what a beautiful thing that is that you might go through life thinking, "Oh, I don't have that kind of, you know, that's not me." And then you find out that it is. And like, what a life-changing event that could actually be to like, to have someone actually go, no, no, you do. Like, like you, you are, you are special. You are loved. You are important. And like, you know, especially in this year, in this year where people, a lot of people have not been feeling that. And I just thought that was wonderful, especially as, as well as, you know, the fact that people were coming back, people were coming back and going, can I just tell you just a little bit more about that? I just remember something else. <laughs> and oh, I just think beautiful. like, isn't that wonderful? Because he was there. He would, they knew he was going to be there and he was, they, they could come back and just keep talking to him if they wanted and he would listen. So <sighs> I've got to, I'm going to give myself that book for Christmas. That's my present to me. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna give I was gonna give it to my mum, but maybe I'll just keep it. <laughs> you can buy more than one book. Yes, you can actually. At, at, at yep. booktopia.com.au, no less. Yeah. What else uh, was a standout nonfiction this year, Shanu? Okay. Now this is one from the same publisher actually. They're just they're just kill, uh, they're just um, uh, swinging it out of the park, kicking it out of the park. I'm not a sports person, so those metaphors may not be correct uh, when it comes to beautiful books that celebrate uh, life and love. And um, when I first heard about this book, I was a little bit sceptical, not because I didn't think that this author would be capable of doing it, but I was just like, do we need this book? Is this a book that we actually need in the world? And the book that I am referring to is Where the River Bends, uh, Recipes and Stories from the Table of Jane and Jimmy Barnes. And having a copy of this book next to me, I can resoundly say we 100% needed this book and we definitely needed this book this year. Um, is there anything that Jimmy Barnes cannot do? I call him a no. Renaissance man. I just yeah. think, what a genius. I mean, uh, not only did uh, Jimmy Barnes uh, write a cookbook this year or co-write a cookbook this year, he also wrote, and um, we have sold a lot of, one of, I think, the most charming kids' books that I've read this year, uh, picture books, uh, Rosie the Rhinoceros. And um, I would highly recommend if you have any young people in your life or you just like to read picture books yourself, which I do, um, that you get yourself a copy of that as well because it is an absolutely glorious, wonderful story. Um, but we're talking I about, think... yeah, Sarah, Sarah is nodding profusely and saying, yes, 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 please. Uh, it's very true. Um, and a number of people I know have already gotten it for their children. And I have certainly bought a couple of copies for children that are in my life. Um, however, I'm here to talk about, not that book, which I do love, but the cookbook. And the Where the River Bends is one of the most beautiful cookbooks, I think, that has been produced this year. It, the quality of it is so high. It has the most gorgeous cover. And the cover is um, of actually Jimmy himself 
kayaking in the river, which is near his place, which is down in the Southern Highlands. And um, I tell you, uh, makes me want to be rich so I can buy a beautiful, beautiful place in the Southern Highlands as well. Because the best part of this book is that it's recipes, sure, yes, recipes, but it's the stories. And it's the stories, it's the family stories. And it's the stories of Jane and Jimmy and their extended family. And they're, they cook, they have a cook um, who has contributed recipes to this book as well. And so the recipes kind of like, they run the gamut of like, there's a whole chapter on potatoes, which is, you know, from Jim, you know, Jimmy's family. He's Scottish, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. So there's a whole chapter, chapter seven is potatoes, spuds and tatties. And I mean, me as a, as a potato lover, um, being you know half Irish, I, I'm very very happy about a whole chapter that's just on potatoes. There's also a chapter on Thai favorites, you know, that's come from um, you know Jane's side, and then there's this amazing um, recipe for a cake that's come from, you know, from their from their cook. Um, they've got chapters on like breakfast and lunches and pasta and sweets and pantry basics and everyday dinners. So it's just like something for everyone in this book and something for when we are able to, you know, the fact that we are now able to sort of gather together. And it was, you know, with, with more than just the people that in our household. So we get to share the love of cooking and the love of uh, preparing food for other people, um, which I think is so wonderful. And um, also Jimmy Barnes has said that his, one of his favorite recipes in this book is the recipe for his, um, you know, which sounds crazy to have a recipe for it, but recipe for his gravy. And I don't know about you, but I would trust Jimmy Barnes's gravy as being the best gravy recipe. So I'm certainly looking forward to on Christmas Day making that gravy recipe um, to go on our roast meat. So I'm um, sorry, vegetarians. I think, I think you need to have a um, a Paul Kelly Jimmy Barnes gravy off potentially. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we could have Jimmy Barnes record Paul Kelly's song, and then that would be like a nice marriage of the of of the two things. Um, but yeah, you get just, you get like the recipes, you get gorgeous photos. Um, you really feel like you're actually there with them um, in their, in their house. And the recipes are beautiful, but they're not complicated. Like you can, you can make them, you can, um, yeah, this book is just so much better than anything that they even, they didn't have to make it this good, right? It would have sold being less good just because of who, who it was. But I love that they've just made it to the absolute highest standard. And a hundred percent, this book is like one that you don't, you don't tuck it away in your shelf. This is one of those ones that you just leave out casually. You're like, oh, yes, me. Yes, I just have, you know, these cookbooks that I just kind of <laughs> all the time. But you will. It's really good. And best part, best part, all cookbooks should have them. It's got one of those little ribbons. So you can put your ribbon into the place that you're, into the, into the page where you want to make the recipe. So important, guys. So important to do that. <laughs> like that. That's what I'm going to say about Good that. to end on a practical note. I think so. <laughs> Thank you, Shanu. I We're rapidly uh, running out of time here. Did, did you have anything else on the nonfiction front you wanted to highlight before we move on to Sarah and the kids' books? Well, I mean, in the theme of love, I think another book that I was definitely enjoyed by many people in Booktopia was um, Clementine's Ford, Clementine Ford's How We Love. And I know that Sarah, like, <laughs> yes, she's, uh, Sarah was a huge fan of this. book. Yeah. And I think this just, again, speaks to the fact that um, you know, authors, particularly in the nonfiction space, really wanted to celebrate life and celebrate the good things about life this year. And so we got to see just and read just so many wonderful stories that were really life affirming and heartwarming and made you appreciate being alive. Truly, yes. And she she really is so open and vulnerable and takes readers into her every awkward, real moment of her adolescence and then carries all through life 
just examining love and the ways that love, the love you have for others, and perhaps even more importantly, the love you, the love affair you have with yourself, like, and how you cultivate self-love as an adult and, you know, try and dismantle the ideas you have about yourself um, that are not loving. (laughs) It's a a gorgeous book. It's really, it was exactly a book I needed to read this year. Um, And it just, Clementine Ford just blows me away. Like, (laughs) she's so wise and warm and um, loving. And I think that comes through so strong in this book. There you go, Mark. It's all about love. Wonderful. And we love to hear that. Uh, So I wanted to tell you about another podcast that's been created specifically for book lovers. It's called The Books That Changed My Life, and it's hosted by the creators of The Shameless Podcast. Here's a quick sample. A listener exclusive. Books give us so much. They can make us laugh, cry, escape our reality, or bring our life into sharp focus. Plus, they're just nice to be around. I would often get on a string of buses with the pram and go into central London and go to different bookstores just to be, I guess, just around books because, as we all know as readers, that's completely life-giving. I'm Michelle Andrews. And I'm Zara McDonald from The Shameless Podcast. And in season two of The Books That Changed My Life, we're talking to eight more fabulous people about the books that changed their lives. And through those books, we'll discover so much more about them. We will learn about resilience from swimmer Shana Jack when she faced accusations of taking a banned substance. I've been through something that potentially people don't go through at all in their life. And I'm not going to let that destroy me. I'm actually going to let it benefit me. If you can look at yourself day in and day out in the mirror and be proud of who you are, you're doing it right. We'll learn about failure from very successful author Meg Mason. Sorrow and Bliss came after the failure of a previous manuscript. So my children witnessed that and saw what that looked like to have someone think that her career had come to another end. But then they saw me, I guess, start over. And then they've also been able to see the book succeed to the extent that Harry Styles' girlfriend was reading on a super yacht, which is, you know, that's a marker, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We'll learn about representation from our brilliant friend and producer, Annabelle Lay. I just thought it was so new for me to read a character, an Asian woman who was not meek and demure. And also her interactions with some men were so like vivid for me because I have experienced so many similar things in the dating world where they just see you for like your race and what they expect will accompany that like Asian female stereotype. It was just something I'd never read before. We'll learn about finding your voice and owning your truth with journalistic powerhouse Lisa Wilkinson. There have been a lot of lies printed about me over the last few weeks. And all I could do was just wait. Because when you read the book, you get everything in context. I'm just going to play the long game here. Because you can either get down in the mud and react to everything, but then you end up just covered in mud. And I just don't want to live my life like that. And we'll learn what it's like to have Nicole Kidman want to option your book from Leanne Moriarty. I can always remember saying to her, well, I know not to get to 
too excited because this may or may not happen. I thought that would show her that I was sort of, you know, I understood the way this industry works, <laughs> that I was cool, it's okay. Uh, and she said, um, no, no, if we option it, get excited. Plus, there's conversations with author and journalist Jamila Rizvi, magazine editor Justine Cullen and everyone's favourite comedian, Will Anderson. I can't recommend this book enough. I think it's just so beautiful. Shameless presents the books that changed my life season two. Available exclusively on Listener. Download the app now to listen for free. Listener. Um, well, uh, Sarah, now that you've uh, stepped up to the plate, uh, what have you got on the um, kids front? What stood out this year? Okay. Well, it was an amazing year for kids' books and it was really hard to kind of narrow this down, but there were two in particular when I was looking at the cream of the crop that I felt kind of really sort of hit the zeitgeist in their own individual ways and struck a chord with people. Uh, So the first one, I'll go in chronological order. So earlier in this year, if you can try and remember the first part, of 2021 when the government really helpfully created a video to teach people about consent using milkshakes and tacos and the internet kind of exploded (laughs) and everyone was like this is not helpful government luckily as though some kind of crazy foretelling people with their fingers on the pulse um the wonderful Yumi Steins and Dr Melissa Kang had a book in the works that came out just shortly after that whole, um, what should we call that, mess, that whole mess. Yeah. (laughs) And that is Welcome to Consent by Yumi Science, Dr. Melissa Kang. This is the second book in the Welcome to series, which is just rapidly becoming like such a favourite with schools and libraries. These books are, we started with Welcome to Your Period, We then had Welcome to Consent this year. We're going to have Welcome to Boobs next year. These books are amazing. A lot of it is to do with um, Yumi and Dr Melissa's sort of frank, open um, style where they just kind of lay things out uh, in a fun, accessible way. Um, These books are great for the age range is sort of, I think officially they say, Welcome to Consent is for around about 11-year-olds to 14-year-olds, but they've also openly said that it's really probably appropriate for kids as young as eight. Um, And, like, consent is a huge thing in publishing at the moment. Like, we're finally getting a great amount of publishing to teach kids about consent, Um, which we just didn't have. I mean, certainly there were no books like that for me growing up. We haven't seen it until recent years. And it's so important. This book is just like wonderful. Like I actually, when I was flipping through it, I actually felt like it's weird. I mean, I've just been talking about how all of these other fiction books and um, non-fiction books have made me cry. Welcome to Consent kind of made me a little bit emotional. And it's a weird thing to say, but when I was flipping through it, I just couldn't help thinking how beneficial this would have been to me as a kid and how you know think ways in which I probably would have handled things differently if I had been taught this stuff when I was young it's so important 
And I don't know, there has there were a lot of conversations around the time the book came out of when is too young to be teaching kids. There's no age too young to be teaching kids that bodily autonomy. Like it's not all, all about sex. I think that's the thing in this book is that, yes, obviously the conversations in Welcome to Consent are a lot to do with sex, but it's not only that. It's about it's about bodily autonomy and just learning when you are able to say no and when you are able to say yes. And, like, that's an important thing for children to learn. Like, they use an example of a T-shirt. So um, they're like, if you, if you have a T-shirt and someone wants to borrow your T-shirt, if it's your kid's sister who's like, can I borrow your T-shirt, it is very easy for you to say no. Or, you know, if it's someone um, that, that doesn't have any power over you in your life, you can quite easily say no. But the second the power shifts, maybe it's a, a slightly older kid and you've got a big crush on them and they want to borrow your T-shirt and you're worried that if you say no, like, they won't like you. Or what if it's a, an adult? Like, what if an adult wants to borrow your T-shirt? They could be a teacher. They could be a, a figure of authority. Like, how do you handle that and how do you make those negotiations? Vital book, really amazing. I'm so glad it's published. I hope that it spawns a million like similar books because we should be flooding the market with this. There should be so many options for kids. Um, so yes, Welcome to Content. That was a big, big book of this year. And then the other book that I thought really also struck the zeitgeist, really got people excited, um, was The First Scientists by Corey Tutt. So Corey Tart, for anyone listening who isn't familiar, is the founder of Deadly Science. He's a STEM champion. Um, and he is, was also named Young Australian of the Year in 2020. He has, along with um, illustrator Black Douglas, created this wonderful book, The First Scientists, which is all about the deadly inventions and innovations from Australia's first people. And this is kind of like... Um, similar to a lot of the information that people may have been introduced to in Dark Emu or Young Dark Emu, kind of follows through but finds a really fun, really, again, accessible and gorgeously illustrated way of presenting all of the um, innovations and all of the science practiced by First Nations people that I, we, I was never taught about at school again. Like, thanks a lot, Australian education system, really, really failing in the 90s to, <laughs> to get, drill this information in because I would have, I don't think that I ever knew any of this stuff. It's only as an adult that I've come to learn. Um, the book covers things like ways in which First Nation people use the stars to, tr uh, in tracking and in how to um, track seasons and time. How they did, how they managed land management, um, inventions like the boomerang, like fish traps, um, like resin. I had I had no idea that the earliest inventions of resin was with Australia's first people. Um, there's so much in here, and it also through the book kind of follows through to now and shows you how these inventions are still these inventions and this knowledge that has been passed down through generation upon generation is still being used and practiced today. It's a beautiful book. It's 
brightly colored and wonderful. And it, I, when I first heard about it, I was really excited and I thought, oh, this is going to be huge. And then it, and again, we were talking about expectations before it sort of outdid my high expectations and just sold even more than the high, high number that I thought it might sell, which is gladdens my heart. Um, I hope both these books, The First Scientists and Welcome to Consent, are just in every school. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to interview Corey Tutt earlier in the year. Um, and he's, again, I think I, I think there's a theme with some of the authors that we've spoken about today, disgustingly talented um, and yeah. charismatic and just a wonderful person who deserves every success. And it, both of those books you've mentioned are really important. I think... Um, you know, I, th- I think I might be the only kid haver on on the podcast today, um, and I've got both of those books for my daughters, and they're just sparking really important and ideas and conversations um, in our in our home. So yeah, absolutely important, wonderful books there, Sarah. What an excellent kid haver you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot the word parent for a second there. <laughs> uh, Anyway, well, um, thank you so much, um, Ben, uh, Sarah, and Chanu for sharing the best of 2021. Um, you can find links to all of these books in the show notes for this episode. You can also head over to um, our website, booktopia.com.au, where we are celebrating the best of 2021 at the moment. And we have much more extensive lists than um, the, the titles that we've spoken about today. We've just shared highlights. Um, and there's a lot more that um, we go into a lot more depth on uh, on the website and on our blog, The Booktopian. Uh, so as always, thank you for listening never stop reading and this is actually going to be my last uh, turn as podcast host for uh, booktopia uh, as i am off out of the company and onto a new adventure so it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you all for the past couple of years and uh, thank you all so much and did i already say never stop reading never stop reading that's the thing i say Aww. Aww. we will miss you thank you thank i'm you. so glad i found a way to put a really terrible pun into this last <laughs> podcast <laughs> It's appreciated. In honor of you. Yeah.